How's it going everybody? Today we're going to talk about what you do when you're an employee and the company you work for is getting sold. Welcome to the Positive Mindset Podcast where we use positivity to build a better mindset. My name is Henry. This is Eric. Hey, hey. <laughs> this is Eric. And uh, so we're going to start this one off with a quote uh, about a little bit of greatness about self-empowerment, I guess. Um, so if you want to kind of lay it on them on, on that. All right. So here's the quote. This is my quote. You can attribute it to me. Uh, <clears throat> Everybody has the ability to be great. You just have to choose to be. Eric McAvoy. <laughs> is that really a good quote? Yep. Okay. Well, um, you know, we... we, we started this uh, podcast talking about you know what to do when the company you work for is getting sold, but really it could be if the company you work for is going out of business or your position's being eliminated. What steps should you sh- you should do um, to ensure you know your um, financial security, I guess, and then also just so that you're in a good position to either find another job or um, you know just be financially stable. I guess is the main priority when people worry about losing a job is losing their income. I've been reading the Rich Dad Poor Dad series lately and one of the main things that he talks about is wealth and um, the way he describes wealth is how long your money could carry you without working. Mm-hmm. Meaning if you stopped working today for whatever reason, whether it was choice, company closed, whatever, um, how long could you survive without losing everything or everything going away? Um, and I would say for most people, that's probably not very long. For yeah. me, it's not very long. I never thought about it that way. I would always assume like how much money you make, be mm-hmm. the general philosophy of how much you're worth or you know wealth. But reality is, if you stop working and your bills continue, how long you know can your you money? It, yeah. yeah. So the number one thing you gotta have is some investments that'll Boom. carry yep. carry it. So. Um, one thing we were looking at doing is buying a duplex, yep. and what we're it's so interesting is that um, we're trying to figure out how we can make it happen. So we've been looking at different avenues, different ways, um, you know, and on our own with him not working long enough, my uh, debt to income ratio, we still haven't been able to um, get a loan on it, and it's so interesting. You know, we're trying to bring in possibly like a third party. Um, how difficult it is to sell somebody on that when they don't have to put any money down. Yeah. They, I mean, I get you're responsible for it though. So, like, if someone co-signs, like, so say there was three people, one, two, three, you know, the third person is ultimately holding the bag, I guess, mm-hmm. if you were to keep that loan afloat. So, I could see the um, focus on that, but it's just so strange that so many people don't even think about, um, or even because. I understand somebody saying no, you know, yeah. for whatever reason, like maybe they just physically can't. Um, but uh, it's so strange that so many people just don't want to even like think of the idea of like, and like building something outside of what they already do. Yeah, and like they won't do their homework on the idea, and they won't look into the details. And you know, the second you say, "Hey, do you want to sign on this mortgage with me?" Instantly, it's like, "No, that's bad. I can't can't have more debt. You know, I can't, yeah. can't do this one." In reality, it's going to make them money. Uh, and there's two safety nets before they're even concerned with it, so, you know. Yeah, it's very strange, but like, you know, how easily, so, like I'll go buy a car or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking like I just, um, if I didn't have my car payments, you know, we'd already have this deal locked up and go, but like, I thought more about co-signing onto a property than I did probably about buying any vehicle I've ever had, you know, one vehicle, he went there and kind of just, um, 
fed into that desire of what he wanted and bought it. And um, but when it's something that could potentially help you, you know, of course there's risk involved. Yeah. But I guess there's risk involved in the car. I mean, what would happen if I couldn't make the payments on the car? Same thing as it would happen if I can't make payments on the house, except at least the house isn't going to depreciate as much as you know a car would, yeah, if any. Yeah. I mean, ideally it will appreciate. It, so you know, it's, it's very interesting. And so, um, so going back to like, what do you do if your job position's changing, um, or if the company is transitioning to a new whatever your department, whatever? Like, there's some kind of like, I don't know what to do. Is a prepare for it sooner? Yeah. Then later, um, so start living now as if you couldn't count on the job you have. I know you know people think that there's a such thing as job security, and I guess there is. I mean that wouldn't be non-existent. Like, yeah. I mean I, I would assume you know it's pretty easier easier to keep a job than it is to build a business. Yeah. You know otherwise everybody would just build businesses, but um, you know jobs come and go all the time. Yeah. And it's not. And so one of the other kind of ways to look at it that the. Uh, is talked about a lot in the books, the Rich Dad Poor Dad series, uh, is, you know, sure there's like job security and like you're going to get your 401k and, you know, you've got this base salary and stuff, but like what are you risking by sticking in that job and not putting yourself out there to do something bigger and better? You know, like sure working a job, you might have like, you know, a guaranteed 70 grand a year, but you could go start a business, might not work out um, very well in the beginning. But you know the business has potential to make you a whole lot more than seventy grand a year. Whereas with the job, it's going to be a lot harder to scale substantially further than the seventy grand. And you know, so there's you're basically by putting yourself in the position where you want the job security, you're risking, uh, you know, the potential of scaling your own business. So it's yeah. You know. I mean, um, so you're risking that. Um, but the one thing that um, like going back to the transition and like how you can think about things like there's I'm just a person in a job so you're just a person in a job and that you're it if you're an employee you're controlled like basically you're doing a role or an assignment that someone sets for you and at any point they can decide that that assess, uh, assignment is over or they want you to work on something else um, whatever you know, you're just kind of doing that and there's nothing wrong with being an employee I'm not saying an employee is less than an owner but when you think about a company being bought or sold this is something I'm going through right now um, me too because I work too. for the same company yeah so you know it's, it's probably not going to be a big deal right like we've got a, probably another company going to come in by it's not going to make too much of a difference in our day to day but it's really when I started thinking about it, I'm like you know what like I'm here running a gym you know doing what I'm supposed to do every day um, but there's somebody else whose job right now is to handle this transition of all these gyms or this transaction of all these gyms into another ownership group. And then there's an ownership group that's thinking about buying, you know, there's so many different things. Yeah. You know, you just get in this bubble of like, I'm an employee and like I do this thing and you forget that there's so many different, you know, moving pieces that you could be a part of mm-hmm. so that you don't have to be just the pawn that's getting moved around. Yeah. Like there's somebody, you know, making these moves. Um, and. Uh, you know, granted, if you're like an employee of a big company like we are, then it's a big chessboard. But you could, you know, decide, okay, well, I'm gonna start with my small chessboard. You know, maybe I only have a couple pieces, but you could be that person making little moves and slowly add a couple more pieces, and your game grows exactly. on what you're trying to do. Yeah, like there's no reason you can't be the one calling the big shots. You know, like most people when they say like, or you know, when they're gonna work for a company, it's like, okay, well. I'm never going to be in a position to, you know, own this business or or do any of the super important high level stuff, but 
I mean, sure, it's you know, it's risky. It might be difficult. It's going to take a lot of hard work and effort. But there's nothing saying you can't be the person who owns the business. You know what I mean? Like you can't. There's nothing saying you can't own the business. You can't be the one calling the shots. Yeah, and so there's there's also this dilemma. Like I said, I was just reading the, the Rich Dad um, Poor Dad books, and it talks about you know starting uh, a business as like um, as a small business, which they call like the S quadrant, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And so you're either like self-employed, like a like a real estate agent, or like a, you know you're a contracted employee, um, like you're maybe selling insurance, something like that, mm-hmm. or a small company, a few employees. Basically, like you have to be there for it to succeed. Meaning, like you can't take a week off. Um, if you took the week off or a year off, the company would go down in production versus continuing to thrive and growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could start a business while you still work at your current one. Um, so this is something that you know I think is really interesting, but it's it's also difficult for me to think like how would I do it? So like if I work in uh, say say I work at a restaurant, right? And so I've worked my way up, and now I'm general manager manager of a restaurant, which I I would. Say is probably as close to being like an owner of a business, you know, that you're running yourself day to day, where you're going to learn really all the ins and outs. You know, you've done all the different, you've waited tables, you've cooked, you've done all the things, so you know how it runs. Um, so I would assume, like, if you're going to start another business, and this is kind of like, I guess, where my thought process is at, and I either need to change it or figure something out, but um, you would want to open another restaurant because that's where you're familiar, that's where your skill set is, that's where you're going to know the most, so you're going to have the most, you know, to offer in that sense, but how do you, if you're an employee of a restaurant, open a restaurant and, you know, run, that is pretty conflict of interest, even if you're opening it with investors, like, hey, I've got this business idea for a restaurant I want to open, and you're not going to work there, you're going to hire all the staff, and, you know, you're just getting equity because it's your business idea, blah, 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 you do that, you know, how can you do that and still run a competitor, you know, a restaurant? Mm-hmm. So you can't do that. So then what do you open, like a pawn shop or, you know, so how do you think you can get, um, you know, to where you can open a business as a business owner? They say like, you know, if you're in the business, say, um, you, the mindset would be you could be gone for a week or a year and the business still build because you have somebody running it for you, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to build that wealth. Um, you know, how do you, how would you think to do that? I think one of the best ways to do it is get partners, uh, and you know, kind of like give, every, give like all your partners or like investors or whatever it is, give everybody a different role, um, where, you know, you're kind of the one overseeing the whole process. And then the other guys are the ones kind of doing the footwork on the ground while you are providing all the, um, you know, like all the orders and, you know, cause we'll just use a real world example. He has way more experience in the fitness industry and working in gyms than I do. I've been doing it for 18 months. You've been doing it for... Six years. Six years. Okay. So if we were to go open gyms, so I open gym A, he opens gym B. I'd put money on his gym being significantly more successful than mine uh, because he has way more experience and he knows you know every aspect of it, whereas I've pretty much only ever done training and like a little bit of uh, membership sales. Um, so getting people who have specialties in different areas of the gym and kind of like kind of outsourcing it, but to people who are going to be there in the long run for you uh, while you're kind of calling the shots from afar, and that is one option. So what would you do though in that sense? Like say I wanted to do that, yeah. and I work for a gym currently. Yeah. So if I leave the gym that I'm working currently, like I say, or the business I'm working for currently, and go to start that, mm-hmm. you know, I have to fill some role. Then I'm in the S quadrant as. You know, I'm you know not letting my money work for me. I'm still working for money. 
Yeah. I know. So how how do you think you do it if like say it was a different business, like I was gonna open like a cell phone repair shop. Yeah. You know, how do you do that without having the expertise in it? You know, what would would your recommendation be or something like that? Maybe there's not an answer. Yeah. Maybe I don't I just don't know. I and mean it might be that like you just have to coordinate all the moving pieces, you know. So like you wanna be the guy generating wealth without putting the work in. So that could be, you know, hiring like going through the vetting process of hiring managers, hiring cleaning staff, hiring trainers, hiring XYZ, um, and then putting all the pieces together and having it work itself out while you're not actually uh, in there on the ground. And so I guess, you know, initially, I'm not sure if there's a way around doing some of the heavy lifting. I think you have to do it. Um, but then I think you can eventually kind of get to a point where you can kind of step outside of the actual gym or the yeah. actual building itself, you know, and have everybody else run it and you just oversee the process and you can do like check-ins and you, know, you can drive, drive by and go in and check and see how the progress is going, but you don't have to be there day to day because you have trustworthy people running it for you. Yeah. So, um, that's, you know, pretty much what, like I was going to say is, um, in the experience I've had in it, when I worked for a different franchise or a, uh, a fitness franchise, um, the ownership group of that, so it was a group of people, they got together, they all had different careers, so none of them were in fitness, and they got together and they invested in a franchise, so it was already a business that already existed, pretty much had like cookie cutter, this is what you do for this, 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 mm -hmm. you pay us a franchise fee of like whatever, $50,000, um, you pay us royalties every month, and you know, we're going to give you a pretty good structure of how to open this, you just hire the people, put them in place, and boom. Yeah. And so they were just out of the money and the time of like doing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's one avenue, but that wouldn't, I don't know, I mean that, if you wanted to do a franchise, that seems like the only way, like because you're gonna get, none of them knew anything about fitness. They just investigated like what would be a good investment opportunity. They found a, a gym franchise they liked, so that's what they did. Mm -hmm. So if you're an employee, say you, you do what I do, where you work in fitness and you wanna invest in something, you could look up different franchises and find something that was good and it has all the pieces in place. You yeah. just come up with the money or find a group of people with the money yeah. and invest in a location and just do it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, so there is that way where you're not really, you know, you don't have to come up with anything. Yeah. You know, you're taking the, your business model and kind of going with it. So that's another way where you could build up um, a business that runs without you um, and in case you ever wanted to leave your job. I think. If everybody was in a situation where they were working by choice, not because they had to, like, you know, if not gunning for that next position or promotion because they need to make more money to pay for XYZ, they could just, you know, they had investment income that they were building forever, so they're making $10,000 a month at their investment income, um, so they could work, you know, wherever, whenever they want, however they want, you know, I think you would get a lot more... Um, probably just creativity, yeah. ingenuity, you know, just stuff like that because people would just be chasing down that rabbit hole of what it was they wanted to do. Yeah. Because they're doing it out of, you know, because they want to, not because they have to. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I, I do what I do because it's a mixture of both. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, yeah, I, I always, always wonder, like, what would I change? Like, right now, if I was like, oh, boom, you're going to get $10,000 a month for the next two years, just residual income, but you have to go do what you want. What, what would that be? And so that's something, um, in a good case scenario, where having a setup would be nice, but what we're talking about, bad case scenario, your position's being eliminated, or you know, uncertainty, or change in pay, something like that. Mm -hmm. you know, I think the, the message to myself is you gotta prepare 
10 years ago. Yeah. And you're yeah. going to start when, when you're 21 or 17 or 19, you know, 18, whenever, you know, um, the, the thought that I have that re- is reoccurring is, you know, I'm at, I'm at 30 years old is like, man, I wasted all this time. Like it's too late. And you start thinking like that, but then you realize like, well, you know, it's not really a comparison to somebody else that's 19 and maybe, you know, they've already got a net worth of a million dollars because they started investing so early or they have a giant YouTube channel or whatever, um, they're a famous artist, whatever, you know, they built it up. You know, you don't mm-hmm. want to compare yourself to that. You yeah. just, you got to decide like today it's time. It's like, when's the best time to start being healthy now, yeah, you know, not exactly. tomorrow, not later, not when you're, you know, even if you're 60 and you make that decision, you yeah. know, do it then. And so, um, that's kind of like, you know, I was re- commuting. Um, I had a lot of reasons. So I bought a vehicle that I probably shouldn't have bought, but I could, you know, get approved, all that stuff. So I bought it. And so now my expenses are higher. So it's, um, you know, limiting me on ability to, you know, get started on an investment property. And so like, man, if I knew what I knew now, then, then I wouldn't have done these things. But at the same time, I didn't know. And so yeah. now that I do, I just have to make the decisions going forward, yeah. you know, to be in the safe position. Yeah. And with that, one of the biggest hurdles that I see that I've faced that he's faced that a lot of people I know have faced is that everyone thinks you're like, okay, they want to go start on a new venture. So we're getting into real estate. We don't know everything about real estate. You're never going to know everything. You know, you go do some homework, figure some stuff out, get the basics down, go start. And then like learn as you're doing it, like never stop learning, but also don't let your lack of knowledge prevent you from starting. Um, because that's usually one of the biggest hurdles that most people face is that, that's the biggest excuse. Like, oh, well, I don't know how. It's like, well, go figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, one, I mean, experience is one of the best teachers. So, and if you don't have the money to go start on your own, go get like another, like a second job working for someone doing what you want to do. Do that for six months, learn all the ins and outs, and then apply it to what, you know, what you want to do on your own. Yeah. Or imagine if you had done something simple to build up your residual income. Or like, like Crazy say, say you want to do what you want to do, right? Like, so he wants to buy duplex rent out the room so it would cost them zero dollars literally to actually make money. So that said, like if there was, if he was doing it all on his own, the money that he would make on it would be enough to pretty much pay all your expenses too. Yep. So you'd have no expenses. So at that point, with one transaction, buying one duplex, um, you could potentially, if you want to quit your job and sample different jobs. Like, so man, maybe I want to see what it's like being a blacksmith. Go work there. Maybe I want to see what it's like selling cars. Go work there. Maybe I want to see what it's like, you know, working in a restaurant. Go work there. You know, you could do all these things because of one, you know, smart decision exactly. versus what most people do is they graduate college. Um, they, well, you know, you did make the mistake. You rented an expensive apartment. Yeah. You know, yep. so you learn from that. But so yep. some people, they go, they rent an expensive apartment and then they, you know, get a car payment. And, and in some cases you have to, like, you don't, you're not in a scenario where like, you need that vehicle, whatever, but there's always, you yeah. know, like, yeah, you could have done better. Yeah, you can get like a car that. that's $500 a month or you can get a car that's $100 a month. Like you don't have to have the nice, cool new car. You can, oh, yeah. you can drive like a subpar car for a year or two and save thousands of dollars. So, and sometimes maybe you do have to have it to realize you didn't have to, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever, maybe you can just watch a YouTube video and realize it, you know, yeah. you seem to be able to read and watch things and learn it. Where some people have to experience it, and <laughs> and then and then some people experience it and they still don't figure it out. But yeah. you know that's that's what you have to do is um, is just like figure out like is this going to help me be financially secure or not? Make the purchase or don't make the purchase and move on. And mm-hmm. so it took me thirty years to realize like man I got to quit consuming 
um, stuff. You know, that's like what my problem is, is mm-hmm. I've been a consumer. You know, I've been on the losing end yeah. of all the purchases I made <laughs> when you could be on. There's a way to be consumer and be on the winning end. Yeah. You know, um, the way to do that is have your passive income fund those consumer goods. Build up your assets to the point where they then fund that lifestyle and then, you know, then you have the ability to do what you want. Yeah, whether you're 40 years old, 50 years old, 30 years old, 21 years old, um, figure out like, okay, I'm making these decisions so that I can live a better life. So whether it's your job getting eliminated, your company changing, your position changing, or you just wanting to quit, you're comfortable and can make that decision. Exactly, because you've put yourself in the position to have that option. That's, that's the biggest thing. It's just having the option to be able to do that because most people don't. Most people have to go to their job or else they'll lose you know, they'll lose everything that they have. Yeah, and maybe you should just lose everything so then you realize you can just build up from the bottom up. Exactly. Um, so that's the message for the day. You know, if you want something, um, you want to be prepared for it, start early on. So if you want, you know, job security, real job security comes from being financially sound outside of your job. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the lesson that I'm learning. Um, hopefully you're learning before, you know, you need to use it. Yeah. But like, is if you're financially sound outside of your employment income, then no matter what happens, you're completely safe. You can't, um, you're not going to be worried about losing your position. You're not going to be, you know, worried about like, oh man, if I get fired, I got to get a job tomorrow and end up in another job you hate or mm-hmm. whatever. You can strictly do whatever you want, however you want it, and um, just be confident and strong in whatever you did. So if you did like the video, please give it a thumbs up. If you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas of how you can do any of the stuff we said more successfully than how we said it, Put in the comment section below. And if you found value, don't forget to share it on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. All the other ways you're listening to it. (laughs) Have a great day.